Well, again, good morning, Freedom Center. So glad that, uh, man, we have that gift of worshiping together wherever we are, and it's just so good to be in this room. I hope that you'll be in this room with me very soon. Um, there's just so many great things that have happened here, and so many great things I believe are in God's heart to continue to happen here. Now, wherever you are, God's going to do great things today, but I just encourage you guys, let's, let's continue just to move forward, uh, to pray forward, to move forward, to bless forward. And we're going to be back together again as soon as soon as we can. We're going to gather again in any way that we can. So today, the best way is this way, and I'm glad you're here. So open your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 12. Now, we're going to review in chapter 11 for a moment, but we're going to come right back to chapter 12 and kind of take our next step in Church in the Wild, which is we're talking about faith and the purpose and the, the, just the, the beauty, the power of faith. And so I encourage you to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, 12. Now, we talked about last week, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we talked about just the platform, the, the foundational bedrock of faith. And it says this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Let me read that again. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence. We said last week the confidence is the word foundation. It's the word that you say, the, the, uh, the, the foundation of a home, the foundation of truth, the foundation of, of life, of literacy. When we talk about confidence, we talk about this, this faith is the confidence, it's the bedrock. And we talked about last week how like this, the stool is something, it's bedrock. I know that when I put weight on it, I trust it, that's faith. Faith is the confidence, the foundation, that when I put weight on it, substance on it, it will bear what I put on it. We talked about this last week. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Last week, we talked about hope. What is hope? Just in a, in a brief way, hope is the joyful expectation of God's goodness coming your way. Let me say it again. Faith, confidence, hope. Faith, trusting God, is the foundation of knowing that God's goodness is coming your way soon. Let me say it again. Faith is the trust in Jesus, the confidence, the bedrock, that good things are coming your way. It's the hopeful expectation. Faith is the hope, the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we don't see. Now look at verse 6. It continues. It says, and without faith, without faith, without that bedrock, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, isn't this interesting? I think so often because our, our roots come out of a movement called the holiness movement, we think the only way to please God is by not doing certain things that are unholy. But hear me, the Bible's very clear. What really pleases God is two things. We see it over and over and over again, loving him and trusting him. So without faith, without trusting who he is, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't matter if you do all the do's and you don't do all the don'ts. If you do them out of anything other than just trusting who he is and loving who he is, it really doesn't matter what we do. So faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So the writer of Hebrews tells us what faith is, what faith does, and, and who to put faith in. And we compared it yesterday, uh, or last week rather, to the chair, the importance of this chair. I know, I believe, I trust, I have hope, I fully expect, I joyfully, I know I'm not sitting down cautiously because that thing hurt me. I'm sitting down going, this chair holds me. It sustains my weight. I have joyful expectation of taking the weight off my feet and placing it on this chair. So the writer then does this brilliant thing for the rest of chapter 11. 
he tells us all the great stories that the, that the listener and, and that you, if you know the Old Testament, that, that they would know. He says, Noah sat in this chair, put all of the weight of God's commands and, and saving the world and going through a flood and gathering animals. He sat right here in this chair called faith. He joyfully expected God's deliverance. Um, Moses, as he led all of Israel through the Red Sea, pursued by Pharaoh and his armies, sat in this chair. David, when he went after Goliath, sat in this chair. Everyone who has sat in this chair, regardless of the weight that was on them, this chair, this faith in God, has sustained them through every trial, every tribulation. It's interesting, some of the examples in chapter 11 is not of just the great victories of defeating giants and crossing the Red Sea. Some of the examples are of people that actually died in the arenas. They were torn to pieces, fed to wild animals as entertainment, as sport in, in Rome. And he says, they went to their grave sitting in this chair. It doesn't matter what comes my way. What matters is who I trust as I go through it. So today, whatever you're going through, I want you to hear me. Faith is not just to move mountains. Faith sometimes is what we need when we're under the mountain because it landed on top of us. And there's this voice that comes from under the mountain that says, I, I still believe anyway. And some of you need to hear that today. I've been hearing people say that this is really trying my faith. And I, and I get that, but I want you to hear me. Regardless of your circumstance, God is still God. You say, well, then why isn't he doing? Why, why does he not stop this? Why does he not? And my answer is, I don't know, I'm not God. Part of me realizes, though, that we live in a fallen world, that we live in, in a place where disease and famine and pestilence is not at all uncommon. It's uncommon for us in the first world, but the rest of the world's been living with Ebola and malaria and, and yellow fever and scarlet fever and all kinds of fevers I, we've been here enjoying, but the rest of the world's been suffering. So I, I, don't, I don't know why, or I don't think we're being punished. I don't think it's anything like that. I just simply think this. I think that we live in a fallen world and it's a dangerous place. We said it a hundred times, but here we go again. This isn't Miami Beach. This is Omaha Beach. This is where everything good and everything evil are pounding with the people on either side, getting us to believe one way or the other. So your faith in hard times is crucial to your walk with Christ. If you can't go through a bad day, a bad season, a bad year, or a bad life, some people just had bad lives, but their faith in God got them through this. You're, you're not in a, in a concentration camp. You're, you're not in uh, you know, a communist nation where talking about Jesus is gonna get you executed. But people have been through all these things, went through it with their faith. And so Hebrews chapter 11, they tell all these great stories of faith. Sit in the chair, sit in the chair, sit in the chair, right? Today, we're gonna take this next chapter, chapter 12. We're gonna look at it because I think there's a lot of it in here for us in this season. And we're gonna apply it to our current situation. Chapter 12, verse one, it says, therefore, now those of you who have studied the Bible with me at all, when you see the word therefore, what is the question you're supposed to ask? Put down the coffee, please ask, let me hear it, look right here. When you see the word therefore in scripture, what is the question you're supposed to ask? And the answer is you're supposed to ask, what is the therefore there for? Why, why is it there? We know that the word therefore connects all the previous thoughts. So the, the hall of faith, all the greats, the ancients commended for, without faith is impossible to please God. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Therefore, look at this, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people who sat in the chair, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the, the author, the pioneer, and the perfecter, the one who started it, and the one who'll see it all the way to perfection of our faith. Right now, the pioneer of your faith, Jesus, is working on you to the perfection of your faith. That is his commitment to you. Regardless of circumstance, regardless of where you start in your faith, 
regardless of where you start in your morality. You have to understand this. He is committed from the very first inkling of belief to the perfection of faith to your walk with him. He is your teacher. He is your master. He is the one pulling the strings behind the scene. I'm not saying God caused the sickness, but I am saying God won't waste trying times. He uses them to build faith. So today I want to help you to really mark this race out. I want you to understand what we're really dealing with, what the tests really are, what the questions on the test really are, and I want you to think about these three statements. The first statement I'll just give you a little introduction to. It was... uh, I couldn't fall asleep the other night, and nothing's wrong, nothing's on my heart, I wasn't overwhelmed, I just, one of those nights I just couldn't sleep, probably out of rhythm a little bit. Finally, I looked at the the clock about two o'clock in the morning, and I was still awake. The next thing I knew, it was about four o'clock in the morning, I'd slept for two hours, and I woke up, and I realized I wasn't going back to sleep anytime soon, and I had that moment, should I just get up and get to work? Should I just get up and grab my Bible and my black coffee and my blanket and my bulldog and just start, you know, an hour or two earlier than normal, and and I, I decided not to do that because by getting out of bed, I'd wake up my wife and she'd say, what's wrong? And, you know, so I just laid there in bed, but I started to pray and I started to pray for you. I started to pray for this moment right here. And I said, God, what do you want me to say to people? And this is the statement. It wasn't like it was built. It was instantaneously there. This is the statement. Those who turn their faith outward in this time will do better than those who turn their faith inward. The first thing you need to know about faith is it has a mission to accomplish. It has a destiny. It has a goal. If your faith has been used primarily for assuring you that it's all going to be okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to know something. If your faith ends with making sure you have enough toilet paper and you have enough ammunition and you have enough you know, connections to get what you need and then you're satisfied, your faith is satisfied, you won't do nearly as well as those whose faith has turned outward. An outward-focused faith. Outward faith is looking for needs that haven't been met. It's praying prayers that haven't been prayed. It's looking for opportunities that need to be pursued. Um, Are you turning your faith inward to be okay or outward to be the light and salt of the earth? Let me give you an example. This is something that happened in this last week, and it it was just one of these moments as a church. I'm just so proud of you. I'm just so proud of my wife. I'm just so proud of of just the genius of the Holy Spirit inside of people. But Dina is, is kind of, she's connected to so many areas and so many different people. And one of the things that came up were the, just various needs. Man, the doctors, they're, they're working these terrible shifts. The nurses, I mean, the people that do paperwork and insurance, they're in and out of these, these unclean areas. And it's just a lot of stress. And, and they're not taking care of themselves. They're not eating properly. They're not sleeping properly. Uh, there's not enough gear. And they were just like, they were just really stressed by that. At the same time, someone else says, well, our local business businesses, our restaurants and things, they're going to be shutting down. There's no way. I mean, you have to sell food at a profit to continue to be a restaurant or a coffee shop. Other people are saying, listen, the government, they're going to get here, but it's so far away. Uh, we, we don't know how they're going to get stimulus checks and the CARES Act. And, you know, we don't know. And so what my wife did was this. Now, listen, because of your generosity, the kingdom builders, she went to a restaurant in Flint, Cafe Rama, owned by one of our young men here at the church, Josh Spencer. And she said, Josh, what would it take to feed all the ER workers one meal? Josh thought about it and came back with a number and said, I think it'd be this. She said, okay, I want to feed one meal uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday of this week to all the emergency workers at, I think it was Hurley Hospital. He went, she gave him the money. So the small business got to do business. He prepared the food in a licensed kitchen in sanitary ways, boxed it, 
so that it was sanitary and good, he brought it then to the medical profession. The medical profession all of a sudden has wonderful food and darn near perfect coffee, <laughs> a plenty, boxes of this stuff. And because they're in a hurry, because they're taking care of people, they grabbed a box, they, they washed their hands thoroughly and surgically, they, uh, you know, they, they went and had this, this wonderful meal, and 10 minutes later, they're right back taking care of patients. What am I saying? When faith was turned outwardly, by your donation to Kingdom Builders, it, it didn't stop here. If we turned our faith inwardly, we say, keep that around because we're not sure what the future holds financially. So let's make sure we have enough. But outward faith says, what's the need? What's the need? Outward faith says, what's the need? And so we found a need in small business. We found a need in, in the medical field. We found a need in patient care. And by giving that dollar to a restaurant, the restaurant stayed in business. By giving that $1, the meal was prepared for the medical workers. And because of that $1 blessing the business and the medical workers, people that need care are getting better care. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And those are the opportunities for those whose faith are focused outward that exist right now. Now, that was, that was a corporate thing. But what's happening in your neighborhood? What's happening amongst your friends? What's happening at your old job as you're laid off? What's happening in your family? These are the opportunities I'm talking about. When, when is, is it okay? I think we got enough toilet paper to feel safe now. There, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, it takes faith to walk out of a store with 100 rolls of toilet paper. You're, the odds of you making it to the car without being judged, without being mugged are remote, okay? But it takes a different kind of faith to take the 10 rolls you need and find 90 people that need a roll of toilet paper for the rest of it. That's what I'm talking about. Faith is not just to make us safe. Faith is to make us dangerous, Faith is to make us light and salt. We are the light of the world, not the oil vat of the kingdom on storage in case of emergency. We are burning the oil to create the light that the world needs to see. And so I encourage you, those who turn their faith outward, I'm telling you, I believe this is a word from the Lord. Those who turn their faith outward will do better in this season than those who simply turn their faith inward. Second statement is this. Those who turn their faith upward will do better than those who just turn their faith inward. Faith inward is good, but it's not the final purpose of faith. And, and we aren't fighting this battle simply with weapons of, of medication and toilet paper and hamburger. We, we are fighting this from a different vantage point. Matter of fact, I'm going to teach you something in Ephesians chapter 2. So turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to show you something. I bet most of us don't realize, even though it's, it's plainly taught throughout Scripture. It tells us something that I think is fairly rare knowledge but, but let's connect some dots, and I'll show you that when you pray, you're actually praying from a different vantage point, a different authority than maybe you think you are. So it says, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, And God raised us, the church, the believers, the ecclesia, or ecclesia, the fellowship, the koinonia, right? God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, a couple things you need to know about that scripture is that it's past tense, and it includes you. In other words, someday you get to go to heaven. Now, now, this is where it can get a little cloudy, because hear me, I'm standing here on earth, you're here on earth as well. So what's he mean we're seated with him? He's talking about authority. He's talking about positional righteousness. He's talking about from where we should see life. He's talking about perspective. When we pray, we're not on earth begging heaven to do something. We're seated in Christ on the throne, next to the Father, from heaven, declaring to earth the will of God. And I'll bet you didn't know that. Think about this. Jesus says, and as he's teaching just the basic, the kindergarten class on prayer, the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. That's not us begging God. That's us positioned in Christ next to the Lord, saying from his heart, from that positional authority, kingdom come, will be done on earth. So I'm telling you this, our perspective we have uh, in our faith, it's, it's not like, God, we ask for victory. You're praying from victory, not for victory. And you need to know this. We're in a storm right now. And what the storm would like more than anything else is not for you to be in it, for it, but for it to be in you. It wants you to be as uptight, as confused, as dangerous as the storm itself. And if you look on any form of social media, you'll see both kinds, won't you? you see people, the storm hasn't gotten into them, and they're saying things that are wise, that are peaceful, that bring unity, that bring hope. And there's those that are in the storm saying, I just don't know how much longer I can take this. I just don't, uh, you know, my kids are driving me nuts. I, I, my, my, the, the, the future is so scary, and, and hope is diminishing. Listen, guys, if the world needs to hear anything, it's people who, who are in the same storm they're in, but the storm is not inside of them. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago in a different series at a different time, not realizing the prophetic nature of the statement. But um, it, it's just a, a three-minute story, a two-minute story. Years ago, this is so many years ago that I recorded something on TiVo, if you remember that, and it was a Michigan-Ohio State game, and Michigan won. So that's how long ago the story is from. And we're back 12 years or something. And uh, what happened was, was that I, I was recording it, but we had like a church work day. And I said, nobody tell me. Nobody tell me the score. Nobody tell me the score. Well, someone that wasn't there walked in and said, hey, Michigan won. I went, ah, oh, I wanted to see it. I wanted to enjoy it. But how many of you guys know, as a Michigan fan, if Michigan beats Ohio State, even, even if it's from 40 years ago, I want to see the game. I want to gloat. I want to enjoy. So I knew the score. I know who won, but I watched the game progress. And this is what I want to tell you. Every time Ohio State scored, it bothered me, but I knew the score at the end of the game. Every time they threw a bad flag, the injustice of that bad call, it bothered me, but I knew the score at the end of the game. Every time we fumbled the ball and turned it over, you know, and had interceptions, which happened in that game, it bothered me, but I knew the score at the end of the game. And I want to come back to that statement because this is what we're talking about. Whatever you're going through right now, please remember the score at the end of the game. When you put your faith upward and you just say, God, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Well, if that's where God sees you authoritatively, how many of you guys know your reality will match his reality soon? That's what eternity is for. We will be with Christ for all eternity. This is a momentary thing. We, we pray, we pray from heaven when we pray. We pray with the authority of heaven. We bind with the authority of heaven. We lose with the authority of heaven. We worship with the authority of those who have been redeemed, who have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is our destiny. This is our call. This is our right. So if you're on earth feeling helpless, turn your faith upward. And from that vantage point, from that perspective, you can see a much larger field and you can declare, you can bind, you can lose, you can stand on promises. Jesus is so near. And so for you to kind of be in this place where it feels out of control, you're, you're believing something that's not true. Go back to the roots of your faith. If, if even just that, that, that faith in, for, your, for yourself, not selfish faith, but that faith just for yourself, you know, that safety faith that hasn't turned outward, listen, if that's even being attacked, just the, one of the greatest ways is find someone with greater needs than yours and take Jesus to them. Turn it outward, turn it upward. And, and I have one last one, and I think... This is uh, just a question for you to consider before you go to our third statement that I want you to consider, and it's this. Your perspective, 
Does your perspective come from the news or from the throne? And, and hopefully there's this aha moment for you as there was for me when I wrote that line. Yes, I watch the news. Yes, I want to know statistics. I want to know the latest and greatest. I want to know who said what. I don't get involved in the drama. I don't care about the personal pettiness. But I do want to know where this is, where this is trending. I do want to know what's happening in my community. I do want to know if there's any effective measures being taken. I have, I have friends that are dying from this right now. And I want to know, is, is there medical hope? I know where I sit. I know my vantage point. I know I can speak to it. And I am praying that way. On my knees yesterday in my family room, on my knees calling out names before God as God laid them on my heart. I know whose I am. And I know who I am through Christ. I'm declaring things. But I also want you to know this, that... that there's this message, this ongoing message that hundreds of thousands of people, and I, and I get that. that. That's news. But are you getting your perspective from perspective news? Or are you getting your perspective from God, who is, who is history, who is the writer of our story? So your perspective, whatever you're facing, whether you're in a prison cell in Philippi, like Paul was after being beaten, whether you're in a lion's den like Daniel, whether you're facing an Egyptian army in the Red Sea behind you, listen, you, there's a perspective that doesn't come from just information and other people's perspective. There's a perspective that comes from the throne. Are you getting your perspective from the news or from the throne? You have to. Please hear me. You will do much better. You will do much better if you turn your faith outward and if you turn your faith upward and see what's happening from a heavenly perspective, not just a victim on earth. Third statement is this, and it's probably the most important one, at least it is in my heart, is this. Those who turn their faith forward, those who turn their faith forward will do much better than those who turn their faith inward. When my faith is simply inward, and it's just about me and about here and about now, I can, I can do two things. One is I can look at what I don't have and be freaked out about it. I can look at what I do have and be freaked out about it. Or... I can look forward and realize there, I'm moving in the direction towards eternity. I'm, I'm in a race. I'm not stopping a rest stop. I'm in a race. What I do, how I decide, how I act today matters. I, I like that scene from uh, Gladiator, where Russell Crowe, you know, says, or Maximus, he says his name, he goes, what we do on earth echoes in eternity. That's a beautiful statement, and that's actually true. What we do on earth echoes in eternity. What you're deciding right now and your actions right now make a difference. Those who turn their faith forward, you're going to do much better in this crisis, much better in this season looking forward, much better looking forward than just looking inward, right? Um, uh, one of my favorite Christian comedians, he, someone asked him, what's your favorite Bible verse? And he said, my favorite Bible verse is, and it came to pass, like dot, 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 and you stopped. And I said, what's, what's the rest of it? He goes, well, that's, that's it. My favorite Bible verse is, and it came to pass sometimes it feels like it came to stay. I promise you, if you put your faith forward, you'll realize that whatever day it is when things get back to normal, when things get back to some rhythm, when this storm has ended, you are one day closer today than you were yesterday, two days closer than you were the day before yesterday to the end of this. So we're, we're moving forward. Let your faith look forward. Those who build into a future will do better than those who only protect what's already been built. There are opportunities, guys, to grow during this, during these times. So let's make sure that in this time, we make much of Jesus. We, we look forward. We, we are encouraging. We're not just optimistic. We're filled with faith, and we're faithful to be filled with faith. We're out there believing, trusting, serving. Our faith is outward. Our faith is upward, and our faith is forward. That is much different than living with just faith being inward. 
I believe that, that faith is a deeply personal thing, but it was never intended to be a private thing. Let me say that again. Faith is very personal, but it was never intended to be private. You know, as the song starts to play, the music starts to play behind me today, I just want you to feel that statement again. Your faith is intensely personal, but it was not given to you so, to, so that you could enjoy it in your private life. Your faith was given to you so that you could focus it outward, so you could focus it upward, and so you could focus it forward. And so my, my question is, is simply this, are you doing that? And I, I'll come back to that statement I believe the Lord gave me at four o'clock in the morning for all of us. You will do much better in this season if you turn your faith outward, if you turn your faith upward, and if you turn your faith forward. If it's all about you and your fears and your concern and your symptoms and your eyes, I'm not saying you aren't important. You're vital, you're beautiful, you're powerful, but hear me. If your faith stops at the boundaries of your circumstance, then what is faith for? God gave you faith to look outward and see a field that is ripe for harvest. God gave you a faith to look upward so you could, you could, from that vantage point, from that perspective, see what's really happening and deal with, with spiritual forces in heavenly realms. That's your destiny, that's your call, and that's your right. God gave you faith to look forward so you can take advantage of times like these. So you can, you can prosper in these times and you can bless in these times knowing that you're one day closer to the storm that we're in ending. So let's make much of Jesus. And as we sum it up this morning, listen to me. The course marked out for you this course of faith, faith in Jesus, a person who loves you, is simply this. It's outward, it's upward, and it's forward. So my final question is, is your faith focused that way? Is your faith focused that way? Are you putting the weight of the season, the weight of the storm on Jesus? And from this vantage point, are you looking outward? Are you looking upward? And are you looking forward? If you are, I promise you, you will do much better than if your faith is simply inward. This, it's funny, I heard Dave Ramsey say this, but this closed-fisted way of living, it's funny. You can go anywhere in the world and this means the same thing. Anywhere in the world, you, you, you do this, do this to a stranger in Mexico, in Haiti, in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, in Eurasia. You look at somebody, you go like this. A closed fist, it means the same thing. But isn't it funny how as universal as a closed fist is that a, even a dog knows what this means? Come here, sweetie. Come here, baby. Right? What I'm saying is simply this. If your faith is focused outward, upward, and forward, the world sees a church doing this. And when the church does that, they see our Savior. When the church does this, I'm not sure what they see, but it isn't Jesus. In these times, you have to, listen to me, I'm your pastor, I'm your friend, <laughs> or I'm a complete stranger on the internet, but listen to me. If you will live outward, upward, and forward, you will do much better than those who simply look inward. If you're not right with God today, in the closing moments that we have together, I just want you to know that you can put your faith, you can put your weight, you can put your substance, your, your abilities, your inabilities on someone named Jesus. Just like the stool is holding my weight right now, I'm going to hold the weight of any of you. So in the same way, God can hold the weight of your sin through Jesus Christ. He can hold the weight of your fears. He can hold the weight of who you are through Jesus Christ. He can, this is Jesus. Jesus can hold you. He can sustain you. He can help you. If you're not right with the Lord, I just want to lead you in a very simple prayer right where you are. Just say this with me, will you? Just right here. How do I know if I'm not right with the Lord? If you ask that question, you're probably not right with the Lord. 
Because if you're right with the Lord, you know. How do I know if I'm married? Well, you have a wife. <laughs> you, know, you have a spouse. How do I know if I'm right with God? Whether there's a covenant relationship or there's not. So just follow me right now. Just say this with me. Jesus, I was wrong. And you were right. I give you my life. I give you my sins. I give you my hopes, my dreams, and my fears. I give everything to you now. From this day forward, I belong to you. And you belong to me. My life is done and I've run my race. I will see you in heaven and we'll spend eternity there face to face. Amen. God bless you guys. You are in our hearts. We love you. You're in our prayers. We think of you constantly. We're one Sunday closer to the next time we get to gather in this room and worship the Lord together. In the meantime, 